Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Just before this day started, I did not feel much pressure, but now that Pastor Hunter and Liz aren't here, I feel a lot of pressure to make sure that you guys are well taken care of. So I got some of my guys here helping me with a cooking class. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? You know, I just want to, as Hunter and Liz are in New Mexico, as we know that, I want you to know that we are Facebook Live, so we just want to say hi, Hunter and Liz. He said that they're watching. I hope they're watching, you know. <laughs> but I just want to honor Pastor Hunter and Pastor Liz. They've done uh, such a great job with just shepherding this church. Would you guys agree? So on, uh, let's give honor to what's do, uh, where it's due, which is to Pastor Hunter and Liz. We just love them. Um, we just love all our pastors as well. I also want to give honor to my parents because they're actually here for the, uh, not for the first time. Yeah. My, and my sister's here too, but added pressure. My parents have never heard me preach before. So if you hear anything wrong, it's Hunter's fault because he taught me. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so, man, we've been learning about um, holiness, right? Can you guys say holiness? holiness? We're in a series called Uncommon, and we are called to be uncommon people, right? And what makes us uncommon? It's holiness. Holiness, who remembers what holiness means? It's to mean to be like God, right? To be different, to be set apart, to be peculiar, right? We have been learning about being uncommon, and to become like God because being holy isn't just a, a something to obtain. It's not just a task that we need to walk in, right? Being holy is part of who we are. If we identify ourselves as holy, as who God has called us to be as children of God, we will naturally start to desire holiness as we are pursuing Jesus in our hearts. We become more like God. That is who we are called to be. And today, we're going to be talking about something very practical, the practical way of the how-to to be holy, right? Anybody want to learn how to be holy today? It's a great topic. So today, I'm calling this sermon, I So Holy. Can you guys say, I So Holy? Look to your neighbor and say, you so holy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Who in here wants to see God in their everyday life? Amen? It's a desire that could come deep into our hearts, but there is a very uh, special key that you need to have in order to see God every day. The scripture is not on the screen, but I'm going to read this to you. It's in Hebrews 12, 14. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So if you have a desire to see God, if you have a desire to have a relationship with the Father, the key is holiness. Why? Because God is all holy and he has no sin in him. And when we come, become holy like God is holy, that opens the door, that opens the gate for us to see God in our everyday life. And if that's what you want in your heart, you need to start pursuing holiness. You need to start pursuing to be uncommon. And when you look around this world, are you like the world? Are you uncommon? Right? 
Are we producing the fruit that shows that, man, this person doesn't do what everybody else does in this world? Or are we blending in with the crowd? We want, if you, many people want to be, you know, they're like, oh man, I'm original. I'm an original human being. You know, what really makes you original is holiness. It's not talent. It's not how you act. It's not what you do. It's who you are. And when you become holy, you become an original work of art by God, right? So you guys ready? You guys ready to understand what holiness is all about and how to do it? Here we go. Brace yourself. Put your seatbelt on. We're going for it. Okay. So throughout the Bible, there is a theme that God loves to use. And it's something that maybe seems insignificant to us, but he has this thing where he loves to use small things, right? God, almighty God, of all things he could have done, he could have just like done that and things could have changed, but he loves to use small things to do what? Grand results, right? I don't know if you've read that throughout the Bible, but I have a few examples here that could kind of help you understand how God uses She's just staring at me, my little baby girl. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I got a little distracted. Hi. Okay. <laughs> so there are themes. Let's go back to this. Focus, you guys, okay? No. <laughs> so in the theme throughout the Bible, God loves to use small things to make grand results, right? So Abraham and his descendants as numerous as the sand, right? Let me read here, Genesis twenty two seventeen. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. The seashore isn't just one big thing, right? It's not just one big item or whatever it is that's like right there. Yeah, you could lift the whole thing and move it somewhere. No, what's it made of? Little grains of sand, right? It's made up of little itty-bitty grains that alone it could seem insignificant. Because if you picked up a little grain of sand, it's like, I don't know, the only thing you could do is throw it at someone's eye, you know, and that ruins it. But it doesn't do much by itself. But the larger it is, the more grain of sand that come together, it becomes a beach, right? And the beach, it produces what? A lot of fun, beauty. Some beaches are beautiful, right? But it produces all these things. God didn't just give Abraham the whole beach, right? He didn't give him the the seashore. He gave him Isaac, one person. And he promised him like a multitude of people, right? But he gave him one. He gave him Isaac. Another example is the cloud the size of a fist. Who remembers this story? 1 King 18.44 says, Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab and tell him, Climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Something that started off small became something huge. And what happened? The drought ended. Rain came The little boy with two fishes and five loaves. Remember that story? John 6 verse 9 says, There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Little did the disciples know that one little seed ended up to feed 5,000 people. God loves small details, small things to make miracles happen. And this last one, the Savior of the world. 
Isaiah 9, verse 6, for a child is born to us. Can you say child? A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Where God could have saved all of humanity in a second, he chose to send a child. Something small and insignificant that has no power in the beginning. But God had a plan. But we live in a generation where everything is made to be easy and quick, right? Email, text, Facebook, online banking, Uber Eats, Amazon Prime, Spark Notes, right? We got things that, that are instant, that give us quick satisfaction and, and results in our life. Nothing is necessarily bad about that, you know, because we do live in a fast-paced world. Except when you live here, traffic is the slowest place ever, right? Yeah, so. But we live in a fast-paced world, and that's okay. I'm not saying anything's wrong with email or texting, you know. I don't want to go back to the old, let me just send you a mail, like something in the mail, and two days later you receive it, and I'm, all I'm saying is saying, hey, you know. I don't, I don't want to go back in those days. This makes it very convenient for us today. But we need to be careful about that. When it comes to our relationship with God, we cannot have a fast-paced relationship and, re and lifestyle with our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, this generation of Christians tend to have that way of thinking, you know? And that's what I like to call a microwave generation. Microwave, everything is quick. Pop in a, a something in here and say, you know what? I think I'm going to, I'm a little hungry right now. I'm not bashing fr uh, frozen meals, okay? But you throw it in here and out come, punch in like one, 30, and you're just waiting there. And then you run to your room to see how many things you could clean up within before the time runs out. And then you come back and you're like, oh my gosh, I got a half frozen, under and overcooked meal that tastes like nothing, you know? We are a generation that loves fast-paced things. But in our mind, Sometimes as Christians, we tend to be microwave generation. When we live for God like a microwave, we're looking for instant gratification with our relationship with him, with our relationship with others, in our calling and purpose, in our marriage and healing and freedom and growth and whatever. When we think this way, when we think, okay, God, my relationship with you, I expect results quick because I want to get to the end quick. We think fast-paced mentality. As humans, we naturally want the harvest now. We want results. We want the benefits. We want the glory. It's fine to want those things, but it's not good when we don't realize how to pay the price, which is the first step, the, the process, counting the cost. Here are a few examples maybe y'all could relate to, but say I want to get to work or class on time, yet I don't go to sleep early and I decide to stay up until like 2 a.m. and I have to go to work at 6, you know? Or I want a six-pack and I want to be fit but I don't want to stop eating pizza or going to the gym, you know? How about some practical things like that? 
If only, right? If only. Okay, how about a few of these? I want prosperity, but I don't tithe. I want to be promoted or be a leader, but I don't submit, commit to, or honor my boss or leader. I want to walk in the calling God has for me, but I'm not willing to serve at church or show up on time when I'm called to serve, right? I want freedom from sexual sin, but I'm not willing to delete that account or to get rid of that person in my life. We're microwave generation. We don't want to do what it takes, but we want results quick. The microwave represents human mentality, our tendencies, our, our nature, human nature. It, it, I'm not saying I'm over here and I got it in the bag. I'm not a microwave generation. No, I am totally a microwave, okay? But I have to die to this. I have to die to this lifestyle. I have to die to my mindset in that way. When God says, be holy because I am holy, we tend to want to jump in the microwave, but what God is saying is I want you to be a crock pot, okay? Who wants a frozen pot roast where you could get something that tastes really good putting time into it, right? Don't worry, there's no pot roast in here. I didn't have time to make it. But God says, I work low and slow, but if you work like this, it's high, you die, you know? Low and slow, high and die. Which one do you want to be, you know? God is calling us to be this way. I know that doesn't make really any sense because why not have everything right away? Why not have uh, uh, um, results quick in our life? Why not? The thing is, we've got to change the way we think about this. We've got to change the way God works in our life, the way we think about it. When we realize we need to stop living like a microwave and embrace that God has a plan for us that is good, pleasing, and perfect. And I'm not just talking about the results are good, pleasing, and per- perfect, but the, res- the, the process is good, pleasing, and perfect, okay? When we realize that, then we begin to see our lives reflect his holiness. So the how-to to to be holy is don't be a microwave. Be a crock pot, okay? Let's turn to our main scripture for today, Matthew 17, 20. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Many of us maybe have heard this scripture. If this is the first time, that's great. But sometimes when I've read this scripture before, I've always focused. I only saw the the words like small faith, right, because this is powerful. Small faith, what, moves mountains, And that's true, you know, that is like a main point of this scripture. But what God has told me is that you're missing one of the most important words in here, which is the seed. And sometimes we think, okay, faith is small as a mustard seed. It's like, yeah, we know the seed is the smallest seed in the world. And if I just believe a little bit, God will do miracles, you know. Yes, God does that. But what he's saying about there's a purpose why he refers to faith as a seed, okay, He could have said faith as small as a rock, 
as small as a ladybug, as small as your pinky toe, whatever, I don't know. But he chose seed for a reason. A seed by itself is useless. But once it's, so, once it's sown, it grows. Once a seed is sown, it starts to work its magic, you know? He doesn't tell you to reach perfection, right? He doesn't tell you to go there quick, right away. Holiness, 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 quick. He doesn't say that. He's not saying be perfect. He tells us to focus on being faithful with that small step in front of you, which is the seed. When you want to see mountains move, you need to realize that there is a seed to be planted. But do you know where seeds come from? They don't just like, ta-da, appear, and you're like, I got an infinite amount of seeds I could just scatter all over the place. No, one, the place that the seeds come from is from God himself by reading the word of God. When you hear the voice of God, reading God's word, God starts to give you seeds to be faithful in and to plant, to have faith, even as small as a mustard seed. We need to pursue an intimate relationship with Jesus. And with that, he's going to give us those things that we need to plant and to sow. So, that being said, our first point is focus on the seed, not the mountain. The mountain is easy to look at, right? Because it's huge. It's in your face. But a seed, you got to really look into it. Get a magnifying glass and be like... Oh, uh, there it is. There it is. You got to put some effort into looking at a seed. Whereas a mountain, you could just drive by and you're like looking at your peripheral and you're like, I know that mountain's there. Mountains in our life, we see it. We're like struggling with these issues, dealing with relationships, dealing with brokenness and addictions. And we see it and we see it and we see it. But are we looking at that little seed that God has given us? If God just took the mountain away, who in here, I don't know about you, but I've wished that God's just like, you know, I'm just going to snap my fingers and that mountain is, poof, it's out of here, right? Anybody feel that way? You know, and that's okay. That's, it's not, God's not going to zap you for that, okay? It's normal for us to feel that way, to feel like a microwave and wanting things quick. But if God took away the mountain right away, then nothing about us has changed, that is not holiness. That's just the end result, okay? The process of seed, sowing a seed builds our character. Character means to be like God. If you don't like the process and you skip that and you ignore it and you want the results right away, where's the transformation in your life? That's not holiness. That's just going to the end, For example, if you, you just graduated high school and you sign up to go to KSU, yeah, hootie hoo, oh yeah, see some of my owls here, woo, woo, woo. and you apply for school, you get admitted, you go in, you're like, okay, here we go, next day you walk into campus, they give you a diploma, you said, ta-da, you got your diploma, you're good to go. And you're like, woohoo! here I go, off to the world. But all you got really 
It's just a piece of paper that says you graduated without even going to class one day. You may have the title, you may have the result, but you don't know lick about what you graduated with, right? You don't know anything. You're not changed. You go into the, the, the surgery room and you're a doctor. You're like, here you go, doctor. And you're like, what is this? You're like, it's called a scalpel, you know? You, you, got, you cut people. And then you just don't know what you're doing. If you go right to the results of what you want to see God do in your life, you're missing a big chunk of what the purpose of holiness is. When we only think about the final product, which is uh, finishing the mountain, perfect holiness, in this case, that's what we're talking about, to be like God, we could feel overwhelmed. We could feel defeated and discouraged. I know I do. But we need to focus on that one step that we need to take today. Every day, God is telling you something. Are you listening? That is the mustard seed, and we need to be faithful to plant it. I have a scripture here that God years ago have revealed a different understanding of what this is. And this is about the, the bags of silver, the bags of talent, okay? So Matthew 25, verse 20 to 29, I'm just going to zip right on through uh, the scripture and get to the main point here. But the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward and five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't um, plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Verse 29 is the main one. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Bags of silver, bags of talent. I used to just relate this to, okay, I have this ability to sing or to play music, or, you know, do all these things. And I want to be faithful to God with what I have because he's going to give me more things, you know. That's definitely part of it. But a few years ago, God showed me that the bags of talent, the bags of, of um, the, the silver don't only represent the things that you can do, but it's what I give, which is revelation. When God gives you a revelation of something, to do in your life, are you going to be a good and faithful servant? Or are you going to be a wicked and lazy servant that does nothing with what God has given you? Not just physical things, but revelation of what God has told you. This is the next step to become more like me. Are you being faithful in that? What is God telling you today? What is God telling you about holiness 
the step to, be, to, to take a step towards holiness, are you doing that? Are you going to obey what God is telling you? Are you going to be faithful? Sometimes we don't like the bag that God has given us. Sometimes we're like, okay, Lord, you told me I have to be joyful because it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And, God's, and you're like, God, tell me, what do I do? He's like, you know what? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Why don't you start by smiling? And you're like, tell me something good. Tell me how to be joyful. How can I get the result? How can I get to where I am that I don't want to just smile? What? You know, we think that way. We're just like, God's like, look, I'm not going to give you something else. You need to just start by smiling. You need to start by, by being kind to people. You need to start by something insignificant, a seed that's like we could have thrown away. But God says to plant that, to sow that. And look, God's not going to trade in. He's going to be like, okay, Alex, you, don't, you want, you want um, holiness? I want you to be joyful. And you're like, eh, I don't think about Okay, how about this one? How about you? No, how about this one? You know, God doesn't trade what he gives you. He gives you something because he knows that you can handle it right now. That is the thing that you can handle because when you are faithful in that, God's going to be like my good and faithful servant. Let's give you one more. Let's give you two more. Let's give you five more. And some of us think that, oh, man, I'm always going to be someone that only does one, that only does two. That person can handle five, whatever. No, 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 no. Let me just real quick, a little um, information about that here. It's not you, you could only, you could, you're always going to get five revelations or bags of silver, one bag of silver. No, this is based off a of season in your life. Maybe sometimes you can only handle one. And then the next season, God's like, okay, you can handle five of these. Here are some things that you need to work on right now. This is what I want you to start doing. So God, in your season, knows exactly how you're going to handle because his plan is good, pleasing, and perfect in the process. So why do we need to sow seeds of holiness? Because roots matter more than results. Roots continue to produce. Results are a one-time thing. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want just one time of, uh, of holiness in my life. I want something that I have the source, that I could constantly produce fruit, holiness, become like God. So when we have a seed and we need to sow it towards holiness, we put it in the process of God and he puts it on low. That's low right there, sorry. If we put it on, he puts it on low, and then things begin to change. The seed does its job. If we tend it, if we continue to sow, if we continue to water, the roots will start to develop. Holiness doesn't happen just by following step one, two, and three. Here, this, you do this, you do this, you do this, and there you go. Very, very practical kind of thing. But no, but God is saying in each person's life is to be faithful to obey. Obey whatever it is that God is telling you to do. Holiness can only happen through obedience. No matter how small the revelation is, will you obey? 
will you sow that? Or are you going to be like, hasta luego seed, waiting for something better. But in reality, God's going to be like, yeah, let me get that again. <laughs> and you're like, oh. And God's like, okay, here we go. I want you to work on this. What is it that that one thing that God is showing you, work on that. I can't handle, I, I have a broken marriage, you know. What do I do, God? Heal my marriage. Fix my wife, you know. <laughs> Fix my husband, whatever. <laughs> but God's like, you know what, you need to stop getting angry at her. You need to work on your patience for him. You need to build her up by saying these words. You need to stop making faces at her when you're angry. Small things that seem insignificant where you're just like, God, please, hurry, take care of it for me. And God's like, I am, by giving you something to be faithful in. Hello. So, remember, faith without action is what? Dead. We won't become holy if we don't sow the seed. Small steps of obedience, little holiness, leads to mountains being moved, which is the big holiness, the picture of what it is. You want to see that mountain move? God's not just going to pick it up and throw it across the room. God's going to be like, here you go. And one day, as you take steps towards it, you're looking here, but you're not even realizing that you're overcoming the mountain by being faithful in the small things that God has given you. So be faithful in what he is showing you. If you want God to do his part, let's do our part and sow that seed. And look, the struggle is real. I understand that holiness is very, like, in our human fleshly uh, nature, hard. Okay? I'm not up here saying... (laughs) holier than thou, you know, I'm not like that. I'm not saying that because I had a process that I have to walk in and continue to walk in to become more like God. There's never a place where you're going to be like, there it is. I'm like God and I'm here and I do nothing else. It's an ongoing relationship growth with God. But really the struggle is real, but it doesn't have to be. Let's go to point number two. If you know the who, then you'll know the how. And we, when we say who, obviously we think of, uh, of maybe God or ourselves, but in this point, there is two who's. Cindy Lou, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? The Grinch didn't, okay. The first who that we need to understand is know who I am. Can you say, know who I am? Say it to yourself, know who I am. John chapter 8, verse 34 to 36. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Say slave. Slave. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family But a son, say son, say daughter, belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Yeah, you do. (laughs) And and sometimes we only think, okay, the only way to freedom is Jesus is just going to break my chains. You know, he's going to set me free, which is true. But you know how he does it? 
He does it by showing us that sin brings slavery, but identity brings true freedom. Because a slave, because when we sin and we're a slave to sin, it's no permanent place in the family, right? But a son, a daughter belongs to the family. So when you realize the who you are as a son, as a daughter of Jesus Christ, the high God, the most holy of holy, then we understand that freedom is here. Because when we know who we are, we know who God is because he works in us and we start pursuing the truth of who he is. Sin brings slavery, but identity brings true freedom. Have you ever tried and tried and tried and tried to overcome a temptation, but just never seems to happen, never seems to stay pure or holy or to do the right thing? You're always ending up doing that thing that you're, you regret and you have shame and you have guilt. Let's be real here. That's what people deal with. We are dealing with things that we are trying to overcome, temptation and the work of the enemy in our life. But God is telling us that if we understand who we truly are and who God is in our life, God's going to reveal how we can become more like him. I had a conversation recently with a really good friend of mine that actually sparked up uh, this whole uh, topic to preach about. But we were talking about holiness and we were talking about like over, uh, overcoming sin and, and pursuing purity, you know, in our mind and sexual purity and things like that. And I remember he, I was really thinking about it because it was a good conversation and he asked me, I know I have to be holy, but will I always struggle with this temptation? Will this always be something that I deal with every day? And I thought about it. I, I, I sat there thinking about it, and I'm just like, you know what? That's a really good question. Um, and, and I just really wanted to explain this the best way as I could. And I said, you know what? Yes and no. There's no definite answer, but I'll, I'll explain why, okay? I said yes. Because here's the thing, we're always going to be, temptation's always going to be thrown at us. We're always going to have a battle. We're always going to have to face a choice of what to do when it comes to becoming more like God. The devil can't and won't change. That's why I say yes, that it will be always something that you'll struggle with, but no. It's not something you're always going to struggle with. Why? Because the devil may not change, but you know who does? You do. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be the one that changes. And you know what? Maybe that, that devil is going to always get you with that left hook, you know? And you're like, oh, oh, you know? But then, that's who the second who is. The devil if you know who you are up against, then you'll understand how to defeat him. You need to realize that the devil is a liar and a thief. He's a tempter. He's a hater. He's sneaky. He's perverted. He knows the, the word better than we know it. You know the Bible. He knows how God functions. 
He knows what you're, what you're weak against. He knows everything about you. And if he knows everything about you, and he knows who he's going up against, you better know who you're up against. You better know about the devil, not just like, oh my gosh, the devil, taboo, don't talk about the devil, don't talk about Satan, you know. No, you need to. You need to understand who you're against. No team, no person enters a match without knowing who they're up against. No sports team, a professional sports team, would not go up into their game and realize, oh my gosh, we're fighting this, these people? I had no idea. What do they do? You know, what's their, what's their, their sneak attack? What's their whatever, their, their tactics and all that? You need to know their weakness. You need to know their tactics. You need to know their voice. You need to know their mannerisms. You need to know his habits. You need to know when he works in your life. You need to know what you're weak against that he is exploiting in your life. You need to know what he looks for in the people around you to influence you. You need to know what the devil is up to because you know what? He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a tempter. He's a jerk. That's what he is. That could be a song. Thief, liar, tempter, jerk. Thief, liar, tempter, jerk. That's who you are. (laughs) Whatever makes you remember who the devil is, do it. Because it's good to know who you're up against. When we are faced with temptation, choosing to sow a seed into holiness isn't about obligation. It isn't about, okay, God, this is what you told me to do. I have to sow the seed. I have to do this. It's not about obligation. It's about opportunity. It's an opportunity to take a step in your identity Remember, behavior, weeks ago, Pastor Hunter was talking about behavior flows from identity. How we behave is, is based off of who we identify ourselves with, you know? And this generation is dealing with a lot of identity crisis. We're identifying, uh, like, as a boy and you're a girl or a girl and you're a boy. And, and you're identifying as all these things that are just not part of God's word, And what God wants you to do is to realize, identify with who you truly are. You are a daughter. You are a son. And when you identify and embrace that of who you are in Jesus, behavior flows in that way. Holiness is the path to go. And that's what we need to do. You will always face a choice every day. Sowing seeds of holiness is an opportunity to walk in your identity and an opportunity, an opportunity to shove it in the devil's face too, you know? Just to say, you know what? I choose what God says, not what you say. Eat that, devil, you know? Every time you do that, it's going further away from what the devil wants you to do. What is it that God is revealing to you that you need to take a step towards? If you want to see holiness, if you want to see the Lord, your God, today, tomorrow, next week, what does God want you to do to pursue holiness in your life? And every time you're faced with temptation, you either sow a seed of victory towards holiness or sow a seed towards slavery. You can strengthen your perspective of holiness as your identity when you sow seeds towards holiness. No victory is too small. Small victories lead to holiness. Remember, low and slow, it doesn't have to be flashy. 
It doesn't have to be something. Maybe God is saying, you know what? You need to stop hanging around that person. You need to stop doing this um, with, with, you know what? You need to break up with her. You need to break up with him. If you really want to see my life, your life reflect mine, I need you to stop, like, using your phone so much. I need you to stop using those words. Whatever it is that God is telling you to be faithful in, we need to take that step. And so that was, if you know the who, then you know the how. And as we go to our last point, I want you to understand that this can definitely be something that is tiring because maybe you don't see results that you're looking for in the future, right? Maybe that mountain is still in front of you and you're just like, God, I'm doing what you're calling me to do. I'm obeying you. I understand that this is who I'm called to be. But to encourage you, point number three says, don't get tired. Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. What do you do? It's so, so. Anyone? Okay. Too many movie references. Help me, Lord. We're going to read Galatians 6.9. This is a verse that God has been speaking to me in my life. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Can you say good? good? At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You may not see that mountain out of your life, but don't give up. Uh, Don't stop sowing that seed. Don't stop tending what God is doing in your life. If you want to be set free from that sexual sin in your life, if you want to be set free from the brokenness in your heart uh, of wounds that have happened in the past, whatever it is, if you want to stop being so angry, if you want to stop being in depression, if you want to stop lying, if you want to stop doing all these things that are not of God, you need to start sowing and sowing and sowing and don't get tired of it. It says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. Being faithful to that little seed is good. It is good. And you need to not get tired of that. The best way to explain kind of this, uh, this um, scripture that I want to do is a little visual that I have for you. Another one. Help me, Lord. Ta-da. Yeah, I know, right? I use sunflower seeds because it's just a seed. I want you to represent not real sunflower seeds. Imagine this is a seed. I want you guys to see it, though. That's why I got bigger ones, okay? So these are the seeds in your life that God has given you. And this is dirt, soil, all this fun stuff, you know? God wants you to be faithful with this little seed. Maybe you're dealing with depression right now. And God's saying, take a step towards me by hanging around the right people. And you're like, God, I'm not asking for friends. I'm asking for depression to be gone. And what he does is he gives you this, and you're just like, you have a choice. You have a choice to sow, or you have a choice to chuck. God's like, like I said earlier, he's like, okay. Well, good luck for me looking for that one. Pretend I found it. <laughs> Who bought this carpet? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's say God comes back and gets it. He's like, oh, no. And you're like, okay, God, please help me with my depression. I just need a miraculous zap from you. 
to change, oh, to change me, you know? God doesn't move the mountain that way, remember? He's like, okay, RJ, I know you want to get over depression. Yeah, hang around the right type of people. And soon enough, you're just going to be like, you know what? Okay, when you obey, remember, you sow the seed. So you're like, okay, God, I'll stop hanging around those people, bad influence in my life, negative people. Plant that seed. God gives you another one, you know. Don't just stop hanging out with those people. I want you to stop listening to that kind of music. God, it's just music. No, I want you to start listening to the truth. Okay, God, so I do that. Let's say you're dealing with anger and hate, and you have no joy in your life, and you're like, me, and around people, and God's just like, look, dude, I need you to just start smiling. You're like, okay, here I go. <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm smiling, and God's like, good, keep it up. You know what? Here's another one. Oh, gosh, what's this? You know what? I'll give you two because you're being faithful. Okay, I got two seeds, right? I want you to start being positive to other people and stop saying negative words. How is this going to help me with joy? Be faithful, daughter. Be faithful, my son. Okay, here I go. In you go. One more. How about this? God, I want to hear your voice more so I can know what to do. Well, then stop gossiping. Stop listening to what other people are talking about and only listen to me. Stop talking about your neighbor. Stop slandering your friends. Stop doing all this stuff. If you really want to hear me, stop. Just stop it. You know? Okay, God. Boom. And then you're there and you're sowing seeds and you're just like, Come on! <laughs> ah! Nothing! God doesn't want you to have that microwave mentality, remember. But don't get tired of doing what is good because at the right time, I have a picture here, you're going to sow something great. You may not see what God is doing when you sow the seed. But just because you don't see the fruit doesn't mean it ain't taking root, okay? I surprised myself. <laughs> Good thing it's recorded because I just totally forgot what I said. <laughs> but for reals though, just because you don't see it just because you don't see the fruit doesn't mean it didn't take root. Remember that. Stop. Okay. So take it day by day. Victory by victory. Glory to glory. Obedience to obedience. I may not see the results now, but I know the seed will produce. What is it that God is telling you to be faithful to sow the seed?
Remember, holiness requires obedience. And look, everything that we do is a seed being sown somewhere. You either sow it towards holiness in your life, or you sow it into discouragement, into discord, into anger, into sexual sin, into brokenness, everything else. Fruit will produce there, nasty fruit, disgusting fruit. But when you plant it and sow it in the holiness that God is calling you to do, it produces something great. It produces a harvest that is beautiful. So why don't we just close our eyes? Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.